Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. There's not much you won't say. That's true. <laughs> not a lot of filter going on over here. I'm hearing this stuff for the first time, too. <laughs> I just did this yesterday. I looked in the cupboard. I looked in the sink. I looked in the dirty dishes in the dishwasher, and the math didn't add up. There was one bowl. <laughs> One bowl. And I know we own more than one bowl. And so I did what I always do. Tromp, 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 tromp down the stairs, go around the corner, go into Benjamin's room. Ask me how many bowls. How many bowls do you think I found in my son's bedroom? Your teenage son's bedroom. How how many bowls did you find in there? Five. Five bowls. Five bowls. Now ask me when I did the last dish roundup. When was the last dish roundup? 24 hours before. The boy used five. Five bowls bowls in 24 hours? In 24 hours. That's one bowl every less than five hours. Not coincidentally, the giant box of brand new cereal that I got, also gone. Quarantine's rough with teenage kids. Oh my word. They're too close to the refrigerator. (laughs) It's like a giant black hole. I just Mm -hmm. throw stuff into it. And apparently my dishes get sucked in too. I mean, you're just, (laughs) just, all of a sudden you're just standing at the sink and you're like, dish roundup! Most of us have an abyss in our home where all of dishes or something goes to rest. In my house, it's my teenage son's room. I found five bowls on his nightstand yesterday. Do you have an abyss, Andrew? Yes, but the problem is that I don't know where it is. (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, And it's not bowls and cups and spoons. It's my Tupperware lid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I have at least. 30 Tupperware containers, but I only have about 10 lids. Yep. Oh, my goodness. I with lids at one point. That's quite a ratio. Mm-hmm. Well, you keep on buying them, and the lids keep on going away. <laughs> yes. You know, where do you think they go? Wherever the socks and the dryer go. Yep. <laughs> They're partying together. <laughs> I looked from the cupboard to the dishwasher to the sink, and I knew the math didn't add up. There was a place in my home where all of my bowls were because I knew I owned more than one. (laughs) So I went down the stairs to my son's room and I found the abyss. Five bowls in his room. Five. Everybody's house has an abyss. They do. And it swallows your dishes and you have to reach in, (laughs) descend into the abyss and rescue them. And we want to know, where's your abyss? So it's kind of embarrassing, but it's always under my bed in my bedroom. So I'm a college kid. I eat my room a lot watching TV, but I have a dog. And so I always put the <laughs> leftover plate down so he can finish it off. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then he will nudge it under the bed. Mm-hmm. And then I don't remember to pick it up. So whenever I'm missing dishes, I just look under the bed and there's usually oh, two or three plates and maybe a bowl. Nice. But you're willing to call us and confess. Yeah. Do you feel better now that that weight is off your soul? I do. Good. I'm a whole yeah. new person now. <laughs> the baptism of the cleanliness. <laughs> I think I'm a changed person. Thank you guys for this. We're, we're here to provide that to you. Thanks now, for calling. You'll be changed until tonight's dinner that you're eating on your bed and you put the plate down and it gets nudged underneath it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is like a 24-hour change, man. Okay. (laughs) Dr. Heidi, I am the parent of a graduate of the class of 2020. I keep thinking to myself, if I weren't, this would bother me less. Because Mm -hmm. there's actually parts of this that I don't mind so much. But -hmm. what I do mind is the intense disappointment that has befallen my daughter because of 
everything she's not going to get at the end of her high school career. It's so hard. And I, I know Piper and I know other seniors and their world has stopped. And we have to recognize for them that this is a grief and a loss that's legitimate. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. as parents, I mean, you're feeling that the other parents I've talked to, they're feeling that they're feeling this grief and a loss that they will not get the senior experience that we've come to expect and the seniors traditions and rituals that have marked the passage of time and this transition that they have into adulthood. And so it's not just that we're missing buying a really expensive dress for prom is that we're missing the, the meaning and purpose behind these events that are the last. And as parents, we use these rituals too to say goodbye, right? Mm-hmm. I'm already a hot mess thinking about my son graduating, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because it's the last and it's the one more time. And it's those things that as parents, you're not going to get now and that your, your children don't get to mark this time. And that is hard. Yeah, she's my oldest. Mm-hmm. And so this was going to be the first senior prom, the first graduation ceremony, the first senior trip, all of those things. Now I've got, you know, a pile of graduation announcements and I don't know whether I should send them out or not. The thing that is comforting is that God is not surprised by this. We were blindsided. He was not. Mm -hmm. And remembering that in the midst of our grief and loss, he makes himself known and that this is a time as we're feeling these emotions and putting words to them and acknowledging them, that as we turn to Christ, he will provide himself to meet us in the midst of those moments. And that's what our hope is. Our hope isn't that we can maybe salvage this season or or maybe do one thing that will make it magically better. This is going to be hard. And this is likely to be a moment that we look back on and that they look back on. It's just being hard and being disappointing and being a loss. And that's maybe not going to change. But our hope is that God will meet us in it and that we will be made more like him in it. It was pathetic. Pathetic. It was pathetic. If you would have been able to glance into my home, my kitchen, at 4.06 this morning, because I get up... (laughs) Way too early. Way too early. I was on the floor, crisscross applesauce, begging him, please, Bagel, please, you have to take this medication. Come on, Bagel, you oh, can do it. trying to give a dog a pill. Oh, my goodness. Goodness and gracious. For the last week, it's been working out just fine mm-hmm. because I've been hiding the pill in the stinkiest cat food I could possibly find. So your dog eats pills out of cat food. He was slurping it up like there was no tomorrow. And then, by accident, he recently found the pill inside oh. the wet dog food. And now... He refuses to eat the pill with the wet cat food. I'm all out of tricks. He's on to your game. I don't know what to do. This morning I had to shove the pill down Bagel the Beagle's Aww. throat. It opened up a little bit. He got the gross stuff in his mouth. I bet you he's still hungry. Yeah. And he hates me. So how many more pills do you have to shove down his throat? Another week. Oh, boy. What am I going to do? A week has never seemed longer in my life when that's how long I have to give a pet a pill. Well, some pets it's impossible. It is. Pets. <laughs> Pills impossible, not set words that go together in a sentence. Bagel the Beagle won't take his medication anymore. I mean, just a couple days ago, I was giving advice to one of our friends, Anne. I'm like, oh, use stinky cat food to give him a pill. He'll totally take it. And now he's not doing it anymore. Jen, do you have a stupid Beagle? (laughs) I have a very picky diva Beagle is what I have. Well, we had a 
stupid beagle when I was growing up. And my mother, the only way she could get Buddy to take his pills was to force his mouth open, throw it as far back as she could, and shut it and hold it until he swallowed it. <laughs> just chuck it right in there. Because otherwise, he was just like Snoopy. He'd turn around and he'd spit it out at her. The veterinarian hands you the bottle of pills and says... Good luck. <laughs> because giving a pet a pill, and in my case, Bagel the Beagle, is a lot easier to say than it is to actually do. Well, Jesse has some advice for you. I just got done giving my uh, puppy pain meds for 10 days in a row because she just had surgery. Okay. And what we do is we give her treats, one treat at a time, and about the fifth or sixth treat in, we slide in the pill, and then she takes it, not even thinking about it. <laughs> I like that. That is so sly. She had no problems whatsoever with her taking it. I think I might be starting to create a little bit of a hypothesis here. A hypothesis. The smaller the dog, the harder it is to give them a pill. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it makes sense based on this tip for giving a pet a pill. I have a little Morky. I used to give um, my other dog that was bigger, I'd put it in the throat, and they'd make him swallow it that way. Mm -hmm. But this dog is just too small. Mm -hmm. And I get like those beef sticks, the round cylinder type beef sticks, Mm -hmm. and cut them into bite-sized pieces. Mm -hmm. And you shove the pill or cut the pill in half or something and shove it in the center. Yep. There you go. kind of hide it in there. Yep. And they eat it up. Coincidentally, that's how I take my pills in the morning. (laughs) Shove it in a beef stick? I just shove them in some meat, and I eat the meat. Are you kidding? No. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you really think That's awesome. Every morning I have a meat stick with some pills. You are a meat stick. Today is day too many of the weirdness. I haven't even counted anymore. I stopped counting. It's I mean, our church group has been meeting digitally for weeks now. Mm-hmm. That's nice. And yeah, so it's it's been good to have that connection, but I was sitting there, we, we did uh, just the guys and just the girls last night, and I'm sitting there looking at all these guys, and we were just like, this is nice, but not the same. I told and, that's so funny, Taylor. I told somebody just last night, I don't want one, one more virtual thing. Yeah. I don't want any more virtual. And so we got to talking about how awesome it is going to be that first time we all get to go back to church together. Ugh. And it's it's like normal and the way that it was before, yep. but better because we're appreciating it. I hope we do. And we all kind of paused and looked at each other and this light bulb went off in my head Uh-oh. and I was like, is that what heaven's going to be like? <sighs> Now you're going to make me cry. Where we have been scattered all over the earth. Uh We are worshiping God together in spirit, but not bodily present. But then when heaven meets earth and all things are made new, our bodies are resurrected. Us and believers all over the world get to stand shoulder to shoulder, worshiping the king of kings forever. Isn't that going to be awesome? So you hear them in your car singing to you on your way to work. Maybe mm-hmm. you've even seen them up on stage if they've come to town to do like, you know, a Christmas concert or something like that. But what are Life 107.1 artists up to right now during this very strange time in our world of quarantining and self-isolation? And I knew after starting to follow Danny Goki on Facebook and seeing <laughs> one particular video, I told Taylor, we have got to talk to Danny Goki. You know, the quarantine has kind of slowed everyone down, which I don't mind. You don't? Uh, you know what? I was talking to someone yesterday, and I said, you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to go back to the same type of touring model 
that I did before this because honestly, having the pause has made me like be with my family more because I haven't been with my family this much since 2014. Wow. And I'm like, man, I think my family was suffering a little bit from, you know, all the time I was gone and my kids' behavior has changed and gotten got better and so, yeah, I think things are changing. There's been a good pause in my life. Well, I can tell from watching your Facebook page that some things are changing, like you and your wife are dressing alike. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> she makes me do it. So here in Williamson County, where we are, the, the band is now lifted off. And so I went to a, just a quick birthday party yesterday, and she tried making me match my boy. What? And I'm like, honey, I, I got three boys. And she's trying to make us all wear black polo shirts and dark blue jeans. And I'm no! Like, Babe, come on, honey. I'm like, come on, this is a little bit far, no? Is, is that how bored she is? Like, now it's like, okay, we just got to get everybody to match. Well, I wish I could say that's how bored she was, but she's always been that way. Oh! I will come out of the bedroom after changing to go to church, and I will be wearing, like, one of the same colors that's on Lindsay's clothes, and she'll be like, you got to go back and change. That's that's not going to no that's not gonna fly. Yeah. My wife absolutely wow. loves when that happens. Why do you think? I think she's just a softie deep down inside. Oh. She's a Latina, and so she's got that fiery side to her, and she ain't going to take no mess from nobody. But there's that <laughs> soft side that just, man... That that just warms her heart. If I would match her up, she'd be. <laughs> the soft side shows in matching clothes, bro. I'm telling you, I am a little concerned from that same video, though. Your complete and total hesitancy to touch your wife's feet. Why didn't you want to give your wife a foot rub? I mean, I don't. Was it that blatantly obvious that I showed up? <laughs> so you were trying to keep that hidden. I might have been dramatizing yeah. it just a little bit, but yeah, you really didn't okay. want to give her a foot rub. Here's the thing, my wife. I'm telling you guys, every day, like clockwork, wants a foot rub or a back rub. Oh. Usually, I'm the first to rise out of bed, and I'm the last one to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And so when I lay down, she's still up, and I'm just exhausted because I'm, you know, I'm the one who I got th- <laughs> three big dogs, and I'm taking care of my dogs, going on walks at night with them. And anyways, I finally lay down, and I'm ready to go to sleep. Uh-huh. And she's like, can you give me rabies? <laughs> Can you rub? I'm like, babe, I need to decompress so I can go to sleep. So are you trying to tell me right now that you work harder than your wife? Oh. I will not. You did not. No. (laughs) Man, hold on a second, man. No. No, no, no. That is not. I, she works harder than me, which okay. is why she's more tired than me. Oh, okay. There we go. Good oh, save. Oh, wow. I, I, I wanted to give you the opportunity to, to flip it right there. Sure. Yeah. Bro, you almost got me. Dude. <laughs> I, man, she will somehow hear this interview all the way from Des Moines, Iowa, in Nashville, Tennessee. Here's a really important question. How did your hair hold up through all of quarantine? Did you want the truth, bro? Yes. It wasn't holding up. So I called my barber to come over to my house and he put on an N95 mask and he cut my hair. He did a house call. (laughs) I did a house call, man. I'm I'm telling you, man, if they're going to put us on lockdown, I'm going to work lockdown all the way to everything that can be done in lockdown. I will be doing. Your barber found an N95 face mask, huh? He did. And he had some rubber gloves on. It was so awesome. He came over. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. He cuts me and my... Two of my boys right now. My youngest boy, he's not ready to have his haircut yet. That's amazing because poor Taylor. Ugh. You know, in the past, we have said that you and Taylor could be doppelgangers. Yeah. However, right now, Taylor's hair does not resemble your hair at all. because I have too many calyx, Danny. He's got too many calyx, but now <laughs> he is full on parting it on the side 
brushing it across. Oh, wow. the, he looks like a church camp kid. Come on, Taylor, represent. Or like a Baptist Let's preacher. Represent. Let's start singing uh, Laura Lift okay. Your Name on High, all the motions. Yeah. <laughs> now, I know people are starting to do like, the, they're starting to shave their hair off. Taylor, have you entertained that idea? I have. My wife would... Uh, Put me in the doghouse until it grew back. Oh my goodness! Wow. Yeah, I used to shave it down to the skin, and then she was oh, like, "That's whoa. not going to happen anymore." Man, you can't do that. You can't shave down to the skin. <laughs> There's a happy medium. If you get a good fade, you shave the top to like maybe a four or five. You would look good. It'd, it'd be good. I think that's what I did last year. So hair is important to you, isn't it, Danny? <laughs> it is. It is. How did you guess? What gave it away? <laughs> Have you ever had a bad haircut? Oh, dude. So I must have been like 14 years old. And I went to this barber shop, and this barber shop, this lady just wrecked my hair. And at 14 years old, like that's a big deal. I mean, you're trying to look your best because yeah. I mean, my face is full of pimples. I'm awkward, anyways. Man, I went home and I, I think I might have shed a few tears, but something <laughs> changed after that where I was like, you know what? My hair will grow. Yep. So I, I'm a guy who I can take risks and I'm okay with it. Good man. Dude, when I'm on the road, I'll go to a barber who I've never met and I'll just take a risk. and be like, you know what? If this doesn't work, I'll just throw a hat on or I'll shave it all off. Wow. And um, that took me a while to get there, but there was some... Um, bad experiences that finally led me to that place. Because Lindsay is really particular about Taylor's hair. She is. <laughs> is she? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. He has no pride in his hair whatsoever. He doesn't care. Taylor, are you sure she's not Latina? <laughs> Just some of the, 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 the mannerisms that I'm starting to hear, I'm like, ah. Sounding a little Latina. familiar? Way too familiar. <laughs> so you walked the dogs a lot during quarantine, huh? I do walk the dogs. So I got three dogs, and they're really big dogs. I have two English Mastiffs, and I just got a dog called a Kangle. You can look them up. They're called Anatolian Shepherds or Kangles. Oh, oh, yeah, oh yeah. Anatolian Shepherd. Is it white? Big kind yeah. of white? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know that dog. So check this out. His will is so strong. He ran away last night, and I had to jump in my car at midnight <laughs> looking for this dog. My like, goodness. He, so anyways, I do a lot of walking with this dog to fill his love tank, I guess. That sounds weird, right? <laughs> but I think, I think he's got a love tank because he'll run away if I don't spend enough time with him. Just, he'll find someone else to give that attention. Way to go. You found a high-maintenance dog. Good for you. Not Whoa. enough walks. I'm out of here. No, I'm telling you, like, this guy, man, he's something else. Hey, can I circle back to something you said at the very beginning of this, how you said you don't think yeah. you're going to go back to what your normal looked like? Can you just maybe tell us some other lessons that you've learned from quarantine? You know, when this all happened, when the shaking happened and, and the economy started shutting down and canceled all our tours, it was really inconvenient. It was uncomfortable. I was irritated a little bit because like, ah, that, that's, man, I really have some things I wanted to do. But as I started leaning in and saying, God, what's going on here? I read in Hebrews 12 that the Bible says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Mm. And those things which cannot be shaken won't. You know, there's different types of shaking in our life, but this is on a global level. I knew God was in it somewhere, somehow. And so I started realizing that I needed to pay attention and lean in. And so as I started leaning in, I started saying, God, shake me. Because mm -hmm. what I started noticing is that a lot of us were busy, but not a lot of us were completely fruitful. And so as I started leaning, I started mm -hmm. saying, God, shake me. Shake the things out of my life that have looked good, but aren't good. I was really sensing in my spirit what the Lord was speaking to me is that he wants time with his children. Mm. because there has been unfruitfulness and he wants to take the level of intimacy up and to, to reignite us with our purpose and destiny. And there's been a lot of distraction and that's where I've been. And I'm so grateful for it. I won't go back to that busy lifestyle. I pray in Jesus name. I won't go back, but I'm going to lean into his voice, get to know him 
and literally be a part of this kingdom that he wants to build here on earth and in our hearts. Love it. That's great. Yeah. I love you talking about your dogs, Amen. but you preach too. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> it's a double threat. Man, I appreciate it. Oh, Danny. Hey, I think your wife has something for you to do, but yeah. thanks so much for spending time with us. <laughs> no, no, Drew, keep me on the phone. <laughs> what else do you want to talk about? More dogs? <laughs> Are you guys sure you don't want to talk anymore? <laughs> awesome, guys. Love y'all. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Danny. God bless. Everyone else has these nice, fuzzy childhood memories of this character. And you look at that character and you see, I, I see what your game is. <laughs> I don't like you. It's like me. I, I, I got problems. I'm dressed like the cat in the hat today, but I have never liked the cat in the hat ever. I, I, I found him scary and disturbing and messy and mm-hmm. overbearing. I just never liked the cat in the hat. I, I, I thought that the cat in the hat was the only one that I had problems with, but I'm realizing now. Oh, you remember something else? Yeah, you know. Sorry if I'm making you dredge up terrible childhood memories. I would watch them up. And so many like wonderful, friendly, fuzzy friends, except for those two theater critics. They were so mean. The two old guys. I don't even know their names. I don't know their names either, but they they were just. I I just. Being brought up of like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything oh, at know. all. Your They're family. doing the opposite of that. Your family is so nice to each other. I loved them. I cracked up. I, they made me sad every time. I was like, they're just two bullies. They're mean. Hiding up there. Yeah. And they're mean to each other. I know. They're mean to anybody who walks by. I know. I remember going to Disney World and they're just insulting random patrons of Disney World. And I was like, this is bad customer service. They're down there? Yeah. I've never been to Disney World, so I didn't know. They're there. There's like a Muppets presentation and they sit up in the corner and just mock the crowd. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) I think Disney World's going to open in July. I want to make sure I go. Yeah. If you like getting insulted, go there. I think sometimes you sit in your living room and you watch the television, either with your kids or by yourself, and you think to yourself, "Am I the only one?" Or you read, <laughs> or you read a book, yeah, and, and it's got this reoccurring character that it seems like everybody else likes it, and you're like, "Am I the only one that doesn't like this?" Because I never liked the Cat in the Hat, and I always wondered, I always thought that I was the only one that didn't like the Cat in the Hat. Well, you've now found that you have an ally in me. I do. Both of us, firstborn oldest children, don't like someone who comes in and makes a mess of the house. And our friend Julie doesn't like him yeah. either. And now Kelly is feeling really safe because she has two characters she wants to confess her strong dislike toward. I did not enjoy Teletubbies oh. because I felt like they made squirrely noises and just looked at each other like they just couldn't figure it out ever. And I'm not even sure what the problem was, but they just couldn't figure it. And how terrifying is it that a baby head rises over the horizon oh, every no! day? The have you met anyone who does like the Teletubbies? I have never asked, and I don't plan on it. <laughs> I'm not sure. And my other one that I really did not, like that we just did not have in our house when our kids were little was Caillou. That child Caillou? whined. I remember Caillou. At our house, you could whine, but you had to sit on your bed. Oh. Like, but Caillou, his mother would say, but Caillou... I want you to eat breakfast. And he would say, but I don't want to. And I thought, oh, I mean, that was like 630 in the morning. <laughs> Go sit on your bed, Caillou. And then my kids would say to other kids that came over, hey, we can't watch him because he whines. And I thought, oh, good. <laughs> A lot of people when I was growing up loved Curious George. Yeah. 
I think even during my children's childhood, they made a new movie of it, like revived. They did, yeah. Curious, and I loved it, and I watched it, and it was great. Just an icon of children's literature. I can remember being a child of, oh, I would have been five, mm-hmm. in my basement playroom area, and my mother had gotten me several of the Curious George books. My mother encouraged reading. She was a librarian, and so I pretty much think that I taught myself to read just by looking through books like that, and she reading them out loud, and then I memorized the words. But when my mother wasn't with me and I had the Curious George books, there was one of the characters in that book I disliked so very much. Well, there's not a whole lot of characters to choose from in there. So you can guess. Was it the man in the yellow hat? Yes! You didn't didn't like the man in the yellow hat? He kidnapped George and put him in a bag. (laughs) I did not like... That's one way of framing the events that happened? I did not like the man in the yellow hat. So you scratched his face out. I I would rub my thumb on my tongue and then I would just rub his face out. Every single one of my Curious George books, the man in the yellow hat, had no face. That's actually, you open up a book and you find that you get a little creeped out. Written so very long ago, but even now, the Psalms are like a gift when we're going through something like what we're going through right now. I think that's the cool thing is you read so much in the Bible and you have to recognize that this was a specific culture in a specific time. Their technology was different. People were different. But when David writes Psalms about who God is, he is the exact same today as he was when David was sitting down, jotting all this down. Hmm. Psalm 146 says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who can't save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. And on that very day, all their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, because he is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed, gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down and he loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner. He sustains the fatherless and the widow. The Lord reigns forever. Praise the Lord. You want to hear something crazy? I do. Okay. Before this, 4% of our workforce was working from home. Okay. Now, over 70%. Of our yeah. workforce is I working mean, from home. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, even there's a lot of office stuff that I do here at the station that I can do from home. I mean... We have a lot of people working from home, so much so that the nebulous they that rules the world say that once this is over, whatever Mm -hmm. over looks like, uh, there may be a lot of changes made to the way offices are run and people might be working from home more. More places will have more people working from home. It does seem like there are some jobs that are really well suited to working from home and some people who are really well suited to working from home. Now, that's the point I want to talk about. Yeah. Because when I read an article like that, I'm like, no. Jen, like you need people around you. People who need people. She, she just <laughs> derives energy from being in close proximity to other humans. And the sun, which is why this yeah. has been so hard. But this idea of... 
of most of us staying home, mm-hmm. you know, or a lot more of us staying home. I just, I'm just like, no, I really don't want that. I want people to be together. Now, fast forward to this afternoon, Chris Scotland. Yeah. He is loving this. He is so happy He's about living working it up. from home. I mean, he loves being here with you when he has mm-hmm. to do his shift, but the rest of the day he gets to work from home and he thinks it's fantastic. And I take that as a personal affront. Jen, anytime someone says anything about needing fewer people in their lives, you take it as a personal affront. <laughs> it could be that many of us will be working from home on the other side of this. I mean, mm-hmm. we have large employers here in the Des Moines metro area, Wells Fargo, Principal, yeah. Athena, and they are finding now with 70% of their workforce at home that it can be done. Yeah. And for some people, it's actually working out really well. Here's why I don't do well working at home. Yeah. Because when I'm here at Life 107.1, I am, you know, Jen. Morning show co-host. Yes. Listener engagement director. I have that title. Mm-hmm. I have a place where I can go to the bathroom by myself-ish, you yeah. know? You know, um, I've got... I've got a small place that I he- have my, my work food here, mm-hmm. but I have an identity here. Yeah. When I go home, I have one title. Guess what title that is? Is it mom? Mom! <laughs> Mom! And when you wear the mom title, it is so hard. Mom is like the wild card title. You can just apply it to anything. And I'm not just mom to two teenagers who, at this point, understand that when I'm in front of my computer, they kind of need to leave me alone, sort of, maybe. It's the other ones. Yeah. It's the ones covered with fur. The fur babies. They have no concept. Because when I walk in the door, mom is home. The giver of all Mm -hmm. things good. The giver of food the giver of scritches, the giver of treats, the giver of walks, the giver of whatever. And if mom is home, all bets are off. Yeah. Those animals are the ones that keep me from being able to do my work from home. I never realized how disruptive it is to take the dog out to do his business. Oh, my God. No, how disruptive it is to have a pet and try to do anything at home. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Pets are the worst, right? (laughs) No, they're the best. I love my dog. Yes, we've acknowledged when you work from home, you have to deal with the fur babies. I mean, they are definitely part of the mix when you take your office home with you. And Larry is dealing with something on a whole different level. I'm a truck driver. I'm home every night. Uh, we were blessed. We just had our second round of puppies, and oh. we have 10 dogs at home now. Oh. <laughs> and they're not a problem until the eyes open, which was last Monday. And I'm like, can we go to bed yet? Can they go to sleep yet? Can we sell them yet? <laughs> How do you social distance 10 puppies? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love what you said. They're not a problem until they open their eyes. That's how I feel about my teenagers, too. Yeah. Or when you open up the fridge, okay? Yes. It's like for a teenage oh my boy, goodness. you open up a fridge, it's like, why isn't there pizza in there? <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Taylor and Jen Podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at Life1071.com or on the Life1071 app.